This podcast is a ministry of Oriel Christian Assembly in Chicago, Illinois. For more information, please visit our website at www.orielchristianassembly.org. Continuing part two on the purposes of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Okay, this will be part two on the purposes of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now again, we are, especially our visitors today, we are a Pentecostal church. I want you to know who we are. We are part of the Assemblies of God. Uh, We are a Bible-believing church in the whole Word of God, not just certain segments, okay? We don't pick and choose what we believe In the scriptures, we believe everything that's in the scriptures. And uh, unfortunately, not all churches uh, teach and minister on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? But that is kind of our uh, MO here, if you could say, being a Pentecostal church. This is is something that maybe separates us from quite a few churches. Okay? And, And that's okay. You know, God and his wisdom and knowledge he he knows how to minister to all people everywhere right but what we know god has called us to follow the word and to be as uh close to following truth as we can that's really important today for us so so today i hope you got your ears open you got your heart open uh, as we talk again about the holy spirit and the baptism and the holy spirit okay last Last time, two weeks ago, we went over four different things. Today, we hopefully will go through four more. These are questions that I'm going to present to you, and then we go into the answers, okay? These are questions that maybe some of us might even have today. I don't know. If you do, I hope you'll be blessed with the answer, amen? So uh, we're going to start with number five. We left off with number four. Uh, in our study two weeks ago. And the question for number five is this, okay? The use, well, it's not really, it is a question, but we're, we're, we're talking about the use of tongues and the gifts, okay? Tongues, what are you talking about? Not, not physical tongue, but <laughs> tongues of the Holy Spirit, okay? And the gifts of the Spirit, Tongues is just one of the gifts of the Spirit. So here's the question and answer that we're going to go through number one here. It says, when tongues are exercised publicly according to the biblical standard, should there always be an interpretation? Let me say that again. When tongues are exercised publicly according to the biblical standard, should there always be an interpretation? Who should give the interpretation? Okay, so this is a, a really, again, a really good question that, that we need to answer. So let me give you a little bit of background information, and then we'll look at a few scriptures. Again, the information I'm giving you today is from our fellowship, it's the Assemblies of God, and this is our distinct doctrine of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I have these in my office. If someone would want one after we're done going through this, you can have one, all right? That would actually make me happy if I see you come and ask me for one because that would tell me that you want to learn more 
about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So it says this. Remember the question. If there's a public word given in tongues, should there always be an interpretation? Okay? In 1 Corinthians 14, the Apostle Paul clearly taught that public speaking in tongues in the assembly of believers is in order only when followed by interpretation. We see that in 1 Corinthians 14. So let me say this to you. When we're in a service and someone has the inspiration to give a word in tongues, okay, we should then seek God to get that interpretation. Okay? Now, does that happen every service? No. I wish it would happen more often. Okay? But today, we didn't have that happen. No one had an had a inspiration to give a word in tongues. All right? So, the question is, when there is tongues, should there be an interpretation? Yes. When it's in, in a service like ours, and God is moving, and the gifts are operating. Okay? But let me, let me add a little note to that that's not in my notes here. If, if I, as the pastor here, feel led to pray in tongues, okay, and then I say to you, church, join me. Let's pray in the Spirit for a moment. That's different. How many understand that today? Right? Because we sometimes need to pray Right? We need to pray in the Spirit, not only in our, our language that we know, but, but sometimes we'll feel led to pray in tongues. Okay? So that's different. That's, that's not where we're looking for an interpretation. We're just praying. How many understand that? You got to see the difference here today. Okay? Again, that's not in my notes, but I know that happens from time to time, and I want you to understand that today. Okay? But when there is... Uh, a message in tongues, there should be a message of interpretation. Okay? I'll, I'm going to ex- go into that deeper as we go on. Look what it says. It was because of this disorderly practice at Corinth that Paul wrote such statements as speaking in the air. That's 1 Corinthians 14, 9. Stop thinking like children. 1 Corinthians 14, 20. Will they not say that you are out of your mind? <laughs> 1 Corinthians 14.23 And keep quiet in the church. 1 Corinthians 14.28 So in the book, in the, in the Corinthian church, they had some disorderly conduct, okay, when it came to the gifts of the Spirit. So Paul had to bring instruction to the church of how to do it. All right, so that's kind of what we're going into today, that we have an understanding of tongues and when it's appropriate and how we're supposed to do it, okay? So it says here, it was this disorderly practice that prompted Paul to, to stress the superiority of prophecy, not to interpreted tongues, but to uninterpreted tongues, which is in 1 Corinthians 14.5, okay? So, in, in this chapter, Paul says to the church, he said, i rather you prophesy than you speak in tongues and not have an interpretation. Why is that? Because when you prophesy, it's, it's a message in your language that you know. 
So if I give you a message today in English, you're going to understand what the Lord is saying. How many get that today? But if we have someone speak a message in tongues and we don't get the interpretation, we don't know what was just said. Real simple, okay? So he says, Paul, I rather you, he doesn't say not to speak in tongues, but he says, I rather you prophesy because then everybody's going to understand and everybody's going to get a message from God. How many get that today? That's real important, okay? Not to put down tongues and interpretation. If you think about it, they're, they're the same, really. They just are activated and, and they go forth in a different way, okay? One is just a prophetic word that God is going to give you, prophecy, and you speak it, right? The other one, it's just different the way it comes forth. It comes forth through a message in tongues and through an interpretation. But the power of, of both of those gifts is the same. What you're going to receive is, is information from God. So they're both equal and they're both important. But we can't, we can't allow stuff to happen in church that brings confusion. Okay? And I'll, I'll get into this a little bit more as we go on here. Okay? So... Final responsibility for giving an interpretation of tongues in a public assembly rests with the one who gave the utterance in tongues. So I want you to hear this today. I don't know if I've had this said to me many times, but in our information here, it says this. If Annette gives a, a message in tongues and we wait for the interpretation and nobody gives it, what it's saying here is that the person who gave it in tongues should seek God for the interpretation. No amens. <laughs> okay, why? Because we need an interpretation, all right? And if you were inspired by God to give that tongues, just like you gave it in tongues, God can now give you the interpretation also, all right? So that's important today that we, we do that. Okay, and I've, I've seen that happen many times in church services, okay? That someone gave, gave a message in tongues and we waited for a while and it didn't come and then all of a sudden that same person gave the interpretation, okay? So that's, that's real important for us to understand here today. So the speaker either must be assured that someone else in the assembly will provide the interpretation or he or she must be prepared to do so himself, okay? You say, well, where do we, where do we get that from? Well, let's look at the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 14, 13 is the first verse I want to look at. 1 Corinthians 14, 13 says this, Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. There it is right there, <laughs> Okay, so again, if, if we've been given a message and it's not being interpreted, the responsibility falls on the one who gave the first message to ask God to give them the interpretation so we can receive, okay? Real important, we get that today. The next set of scriptures I want to look at concerning this question is verses 27 and 28. Same chapter says this if any man speak in an unknown tongue, any woman, okay, it says here, let it be by two or at the most by three, 
and that by course, and let one interpret. Okay? So what does this mean? This means if, if Annette gives a, a message in tongues and nothing happens, then all of a sudden someone else gives another message in tongues. Now we got two. And we're still waiting. Nothing has still happened. No interpretation. And then we get another one. What does it say here? Two or three at the most. Okay? A third person gives a message in tongues. All right? At that point, no more messages in tongues. We need the interpretation. If we don't get the interpretation, we move on. How many can understand that today? Why? Because we, we're, we're not going to walk in confusion. We have, to, we have to walk in order. Okay? This is, this is a guideline that Paul gave to the church at Corinth. Because again, they were doing things disorderly. And trust me, I've been in services, I've been in different churches where it's not always done in order. And how many know today we serve a God of order? He would serve a God of order. So the things that we do should be in order. This brings order to the gifts, okay? We want to flow in the gifts, but we need to flow in them in order. You have to flow in them in understanding, okay? If you don't understand, then you shouldn't even try to flow on them until you get an understanding because you don't, you don't want to make a mistake, right? You want to you wanna be led of the Spirit. You want to do the right thing because the gifts are really important. Amen. They really are because the word that God might give you for someone will change possibly their life. That's service. So when we're not obedient, we don't want to do it because we're afraid or, or, or we say, oh, Lord, I don't want to make a mistake. You know what? You can't think that way. You have to walk in faith, right? You have to trust God to, to, to help you to be used in that gift, whatever it is, because there's, there's more gifts than just what we're talking about today, all right? So I hope that's helped us as far as understanding when tongues are publicly being exploited or being given, how we should deal with it, okay? It's a real important point. So let's move on. Another question. This is number six. It says this. For whose benefit and for what purpose are there utterances in tongues followed by interpretations? Let me say that again. For whose benefit and for what purpose are there utterances in tongues followed by interpretations? Okay. So, again, we're going to bring some understanding with this question. Who's going to benefit? I kind of gave you already the answer in a sense. Who's going to benefit when we have tongues and interpretation? Well, here's, here's what we got for you. The purpose of tongues with interpretation is twofold. Somebody say twofold. One purpose is to provide a sign for unbelievers that they might believe. How about that? It's a sign. When people will come here, today we got visitors, amen? I, I wish we would have had tongues and interpretation because maybe, maybe they never saw this before. I don't know, right? But it's a sign for, for people who will come, especially people who don't believe, okay? It's a sign. This is number one reason, okay? Number two, it says the other purpose is to edify the church body. Who? All of us. Who's the body of Christ here today? All of us, right? It's to, it's to edify all of us, okay? 
not one of us or two. Some might be more edified than others, depending what God says, but it's for all of us. It's for the whole body of Christ, okay? Tongues with interpretation declares the mighty works of God. Amen. Exalts his name and prompts the believers to worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay? When we have this movement and we have the gifts in operation, this is what's happening. It also calls for commitment to the church's mission. Okay? It also calls for what? Commitment to what the mission of the church is. Right? And that's part of our mission. Right? We're to edify. Right? We're to comfort each other. We're to build each other up. Well, God uses the gifts of the Spirit to do that, right? Real important here. In 1 Corinthians 14.22 and following, Paul wrote that tongues are a sign primarily for the unbeliever when uttered in a public assembly. Understandably so, for tongues properly interpreted will speak of the majesty and glory of God. The unbeliever will be drawn by this empowered expression. Okay? So again, it's going to minister. It's going to be a sign for possibly someone who's not a, really a believer. Even though they came to church, even though they, they might say, I believe in God, but really don't know God personally, right? Who don't have a relationship with God. This is a sign, okay, for them. Some... Confused speaking in tongues with the gift of prophecy. Paul drew a distinction between the two. He indicated the purpose of the spiritual gift of prophecy is to strengthen, encourage, and comfort. Right? When, and I told you this a couple weeks ago. When you hear a prophetic word from someone, those three things should be happening in that word. That you're going to be edified, you're going to be comforted, Right? If you're not receiving that, if somebody is giving a word of prophecy and, and they're condemning you, <laughs> that's not God, okay? That's not a, 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 that is not the gift of, of, of the Spirit here being used properly, okay? We are not to condemn. We're not to put down. The devil does a good job of that. How many know that? Amen. That's not the purpose of these gifts, okay? Especially prophecy. Prophecy is to edify, exhort, and comfort. So when you hear a prophetic word that doesn't follow those guidelines, you know it's the flesh that gave that word. Can I get an amen? It's the flesh. Now, it doesn't mean that they purposely did it to, to mess up, okay? Just sometimes we got to be able to discern between the flesh and the spirit, right? But if we follow those guidelines, we won't have a problem, okay? Real important. So, having that in mind, thus prophecy is primarily for the benefit of believers. Prophecy. Paul pointed out, however, that unbelievers who hear a prophetic word may also be convicted and turn in repentance to God. Okay? So, even though prophecy is really for the believer... God can use prophecy to speak to the unbeliever and to help them to conform and to change their lives and ask for repentance, okay? So we want to look at a couple scriptures with this. Um, I want to look at 1 uh, Corinthians 14.22. Uh, says this, Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, 
Not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. There it is again. But, somebody say but. Prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. Okay? But again, God can use every gift to minister to everybody. Right? But they're all pointed a certain way, and God uses them a certain way. Now, here's, here's what I was talking about earlier about prophecy. If you look at 1 Corinthians 14, 3 through 5, I want to read that now for you. It says, But he that prophesied speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. There it is. Okay? That's our guideline. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. Okay? So, I want you to get this. This is important. When, when you are alone and you're praying with the tongue or tongues that God has given you, that's when you are edifying yourself. Okay? You are praying in tongues. But when we have tongues in a service, when a, a word is given in tongues, right? That is, that is not meant to edify you, but it's, it's to be used to edify the body. All right? If we don't have the tongues, then we just prophesy, okay? Because prophecy is going to bless everybody in the house, all right? It's going to what to you? It's going to encourage you. It's going to edify you. It's going to comfort you, okay? So you've got to see and understand the differences of the gifts and how God uses them, okay? I hope this is helping somebody here today. Really, it should be helping all of us, amen? All right, how about another one? This is number seven. Question. Is it possible for an interpretation of tongues to run contrary to the teachings of the Bible? I'm going to say that again. Is it possible for an interpretation of tongues to run contrary to the teachings of the Bible? What do you think? I, I'm seeing a few of you shake your head no. That's correct answer. No. Okay. Should not go against the Word of God, right? Let's read a little bit about this. If the Holy Spirit has authentically inspired the interpretation, it will never, somebody say never, contradict the teachings of the Bible. Never. Okay. If the interpretation is contrary to Scripture, it is out of order and must be ruled so. Okay, so if we have a message, tongues, interpretation, and, and I'm, I'm listening, and the elders in the church, the leaders should be listening, if a word is given incorrectly, we should correct it right after, so that nobody is offended or hurt, okay? Because it, it can happen, it's happened. I gave you an example a couple weeks ago, happened in our former church. One lady gave a, she probably did it more than once, and she had to be corrected by the pastor, Right? Because she said something that was not true. All right? The Bible is the measure by which all utterance must be judged. Okay? So whatever utterances come forth, how do we judge them? By the Word of God. You know, do they line up with the Word of God? Is what is being said line up with Scripture? Or is it, again, flesh? Is it something I'm saying and not the Holy Spirit saying? How many get that today? Real important today. We understand that. Okay? For example, 
Here's, here's an example for us. In a church service some years ago, a prophetic word was spoken that included the phrase, his, meaning Jesus, bones were broken. Now, does any, anybody have a problem with what I just said with that? Is that a true statement or false? I'll say it again. His or Jesus' bones were broken. That was the prophetic word. In that prophetic word, that was said. Let me give you the answer. The scripture tells us not one of his bones will be broken. Okay? That's John 19.36. Psalm 34.20 says the same thing. The contradiction was clearly evident. The utterance was unbiblical and had to be judged as wrong. Okay? So sometimes we make a mistake. Right? So we got to be listening to what is being said in those, those tongues, those interpretations, and those prophecies. Right? They must line up with the Word of God. Now, I know you've heard this said before, and I'll use it here. Just as a, an example, you chew the meat and you spit out the bones. Have you ever heard that before? You chew the meat and spit out the bones, meaning even in a prophetic word that maybe is not altogether right, there might be something that's really good in there that you could take from it. And then what's wrong, discard it. How many get that now? Right? When you, when you eat a chicken, you're not going to eat the bones, right? You, you're going to choke and you're going to be asking for prayer. But if you eat the meat, you're going to be okay, right? All right, so that's, it's an example, right? But we got to be careful, right? We got to be listening. We got to pay attention when prophetic words are given and who's giving them, right? I, I could go on, but I'm not going to with that thought, all right? I want to finish this with you today on where we're at. Um, okay, the scriptures cannot be contradicted. I don't have time to go through these. You can write them down. Psalm 119.89. Matthew 5.18. Matthew 24.35. 1 Peter 1.25. They are complete and cannot be added to. The scriptures are what? Complete. They cannot be added to. How many know there's religions out there that have added to the word of God? And they've also taken away from the word of God. I'm going to read you a scripture in a moment that should get all of our attention today about people who do that, okay? Let me keep going here. The Apostle Paul did not hesitate to establish guidelines within which the gifts of the Spirit must operate. He stated that any utterance, message, or gift expression must line up with scripture and be judged by it. Can I get an amen? He declared that God's messenger, whether speaking with a prophetic word or speaking in tongues, followed by interpretation, must rule his own spirit. Ooh. And submit always to the guidelines of scriptural truth. All right? So, you know, we, we are human, but we're, we're, we're allowing God to supernaturally work in us and through us. Okay, so we have to be able to balance that, and it's not always per se so easy, right? We have to be careful, and we have to make sure that, that what is being said is, is definitely biblical and it's right on. Okay, we've got to do that, it's really important because someone could get something that's wrong given to them and it could throw them off in their walk with God, right? We don't want false truth, 
or a partial truth. We want the whole truth. Amen. As much as possible, right? We're, we're all human, but we need to follow the Word of God as best we can, right? Okay. So let's finish this last part of this, and then we're going to look at a couple of scriptures. It says, yes, spiritual gifts are divine in their or." <coughs> Excuse me. In their origin. <clears throat> I'll get it out. Amen. It's a little frog in there. I'm going to take him and get him out of here. It says, yes, spiritual gifts are divine in their origin, but they are entrusted to people. You've got to get this today. And they must operate in a way that is consistent with biblical teaching. Should have got an amen there. Good order established by anointed leadership is God's way. Amen. That's a powerful statement right there. So let's look at a couple of scriptures with this. Revelation 22. You should know where I'm going. Revelation 22, <clears throat> 18 and 19. This is for the people who are adding to the scriptures and for the people who are taken away from the scriptures okay look what it says it says for i testify unto every man that hear the words of the prophecy of this book if any man shall add unto these things god shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book i don't want any plagues how about you and if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, listen to this, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. It's pretty serious, okay? We're not to add on to the word of God. We're not to take away. God hasn't made us judges or, or, or new writers of the New Testament or the Old Testament. We, we have the word of God already. We have to follow it. We've got to understand it. But we're not to add to it or take away. Say, oh, I, you know, Pastor, I received this part, but I can't receive that part. No. Then you're in error. Okay? Who makes us the judge to, to say, well, I'll receive this and I won't receive that? You have to believe the whole Word of God. You have to believe the Old Testament. You've got to believe the New Testament, right? So that's real important. And then... How about 1 Corinthians 14, 33? It says this, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Right? So if you ever see anything that, that confusion is there, that's not God today. God is a God of order. God is a God of peace. Okay? So that's why this topic of the gifts of the Spirit and, and knowing how to flow in them and understand them is very important. And unfortunately, some churches lack the understanding, and that's why they have confusion, and that's why error comes in, okay? We don't want that here. We want to always be right on with God's Word, and we want the Spirit to lead us, and we want to be uh, used of God, because it's a blessing. It's an honor when we're used of God, amen? How about one more verse? Verse 40 of, of chapter 14, it says, Let all things, somebody say all. Let all things be done how? Decently and in order. Okay? Why again? Because God is a God of order. He doesn't do things haphazardly. He doesn't do things that look wild. Okay? He, he does things decently and in order. 
Okay? That's, that's the character of God today. So if you see people not doing that or, or not following those guidelines, well, there's probably some, some error there. Okay? So we've got to be careful here today that we do things in order and we do them properly. Another word for decently is properly. God's way, not, not our way. You know, a lot of times out here, people say, well, pastor, I think we should do it this way. Well, what does God say about that? <laughs> what does his word say about that? It's not about what you think or even I think. It's about what God says, right? God gives us wisdom. God gives us understanding so we know what to do, okay? I hope that's helped you with that one. I got one more, and we're going to close service today. This is number eight, okay? What are these purposes of the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Here's the question. As humans, do we play a role as to whether or not tongues and other gifts will operate in the church? Let me say that again. As humans, do we play a role as to whether or not tongues and other gifts will operate in the church? Of course. <laughs> a resounding yes, right? How many churches do you go to and you never see a gift of the Spirit in operation? Because they don't float it, right? They may not believe it. They may not understand it, okay? Again, does it mean they're bad people? No. It just means they, they never were taught or they don't believe what they were taught and they've never experienced it or they've had bad experiences with it so they turned it all off. How many getting this today? See, the devil is going to try to come in there and, and, and mess it up so that we don't flow in the power of God, that we don't flow in the gifts of the Spirit. But that's the will of God today. It's, it's when things happen, it's because of His Spirit in us flowing, right? So we should want this to happen every service, okay? Not just Pastor Rich, all of us. Say, Lord, Pastor, say, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Pastor. When I come here, I not only want to be blessed, but I want to be a blessing. I want God to speak through me. Do you have that attitude today? You, you should, right? Because God wants to use you if you're willing. So let's read this. This is, this is a real good ending to close this today. Human availability has always been an essential part of the unfolding of God's plan. Human availability. Think about it. Throughout the scripture, there is an obvious blending of God's sovereign purposes and people's availability in implementing those purposes. God works with us, and we work with God, right? While this interrelationship uh, is impossible to fully comprehend, it is consistently recorded in the Bible. Can I get an amen? Spiritual gifts operate only with human availability. How many get that today? If we don't have any of us willing to be used in the gifts and to flow in the gifts, it ain't going to happen, okay? God's not going to send, you know, Michael or Gabriel the angel here to speak for us. How many getting that today? They got other things to do, amen? This is what should be happening from us. When we're in a, a setting, we're in we're a public service, right? This is what should be happening. But we got to be available. Just like yesterday, there was eight of us here available to what? To serve. Not everybody was available yesterday. So God's going to use those who are available. How many are getting it today? You got to be willing. You got to be open. 
Spiritual gifts operate only with human availability. When the gifts are supernatural, both in source and operation, they require willing and obedient hearts. Somebody should have said amen. What kind of hearts? Willing and obedient. Right? These are hearts through which they might find expression. Jesus commanded his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they had been what? Clothed with power from on high. Endued with power is the other uh, way of expressing that verse, right? Luke 24, 49. It was not until they had placed themselves at the Spirit's disposal that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Acts 2, 4, right? Perhaps this inner relationship between the Holy Spirit and human availability can be best expressed by the following progression. This is real important. Four things here. I want you to get this today as we close this, this message. The believer, number one, must have a clear understanding of the biblical base for promised gifts. Okay? So number one, you've got to have an understanding of the gifts. Okay? Number two, you need to be touched in your heart with a desire for the gifts to flow. So you've got to have a heart willing. So you've got to understand first, then you've got to be willing. Say, Lord, I want you to use me in the gifts, okay? Number three, you've got to be willing to submit to the inner sense that the Spirit is seeking expression, right? So you've got to be able to submit to the Holy Spirit as He speaks to you, as He ministers to you, that you're going you're gonna to be used of God however He wants you to flow in those gifts, right? So you've got to be submitted to God to be able to flow in the gifts. And number four, Offer to the Holy Spirit your heart, your emotions, your will, and voice by which those gifts may operate. The key is what? Obedient availability coupled with a sincere desire to please God. That is so powerful today. Amen. So what do we got to have? We got to be obedient. We got to be willing. Right? We got to be available. Say, Lord, you know what? It's okay that you, that you use Giovanna, but I want to be used too. That's our attitude should be. How many hearing me today? Lord, yes, bless Carmela that she would be used, but, but I want to be used too. That should be our attitude, right? So don't be jealous when you see someone else or be jealous in a godly way and say, boy, Lord, you just, that was such a blessing. What happened there? Let it happen through me. I want to be available just like that person was, right? You have to be obedient, and you've got to be willing, and you've want you got to want to please God today. This is not to please Pastor Rich. How many get that today? You'll be pleasing God. Of course, you'll please me too. It'll make me happy because we're doing God's will. But, but most of all, this is the will of God today. It's not the will of Pastor Rich. Okay, I didn't write the book. I follow it. How about you today? Amen. Let's stand. Praise God. We're going to have Annette come back up. She's going to lead us in a song. And then I'm going to come back and we're going to pray. Amen. So I, I hope some of these questions gave you or stirred up some answers for you. Okay. And, and we'll, we'll talk about it when I come back up and we'll pray. Okay. Come on, Annette. Lead us in another song.